Welcome everyone, this is DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. Today we are concluding our series in 1 John, the series that we've been walking through the last several months that we titled Love Above All. Today we'll be in 1 John chapter 5 verses 13 to 21 where John sort of recaps some of the main points he's talked about throughout his letter, hits some of the main themes, and leaves us uh, with a simple thought. So I'm going to read the scripture and then we'll pray and uh, get right into the word today. So this is 1 John chapter 5 verse 13. I'll be reading from the ESV version if you're following along. John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask for anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for this letter that's been preserved for your people throughout the ages that we have been blessed by here at Parker Ford Church in this season. We pray today as we wrap up our series in First John, Lord, that through these verses, through the scripture, that you would remind us of who you are, that you would orient us back to the foundational principles of our faith, and that you would teach us to live and to think and to be more like Jesus. And we pray this in his mighty name. Amen. All right, in this section, these verses, verses 13 to 21 of, of 1 John chapter 5, John is, is sort of summing up some of the main points that he's written about in this letter. Now, if you've been tracking with us throughout this series, you'll remember hopefully, that, that this letter, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that John wrote this letter was to address a false teaching that was coming into the early church, a heresy, an ancient heresy known as Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism is different than agnosticism, sort of the modern agnosticism idea of, you know, you kind of believe in everything or you're not really sure you're agnostic towards it. This is different. Gnosticism was sort of a synchronization, a blending of, of multiple worldviews that had infiltrated early Christianity. And Gnosticism was pretty complicated, but some of the main ideas behind it were uh, predicated on sort of a dualism, a, a, 
a dualism that was uh, similar to Platonic dualism, wherein matter, physicality, was thought to be evil, and spirit was thought to be good. And so if matter is evil, all matter, all material things are evil, then it goes to reason that our physical bodies are evil, but our spirits, our soul, our psyche within us is a good thing. And so the more that we can separate the body from the spirit, the better. So salvation actually lies in the death of the body and, and the freedom that comes then to the spirit. The second thing that Gnosticism taught, or another thing that Gnosticism taught, was that there was a secret knowledge that could be attained of God if you went through these secret Gnostic rituals. There were sort of these mystical experiences where angels would come and meet and deliver secret knowledge that uh, transcended just the simple gospel message. Now, as you, I'm sure you can imagine, there's a number of problems with Gnosticism because they cut the legs right out from the gospel message, particularly when it comes to who Jesus is, because Christians believe that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. One of the great mysteries, one of the great paradoxes of the faith, there's no way to scientifically explain that, and yet we believe that it is true we have faith, we, we have uh, an uh, abiding allegiance to this doctrine that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And if he was fully man, then he had a body, which is why his bodily death and his bodily resurrection, let alone his bodily incarnation, his birth, are all absolutely foundational principles to our faith and our salvation. John Earlier, in one of his earlier writings, his gospel, he goes out of his way to make it a point that Jesus had a physical body that we touched and we felt, and he physically died. He was crucified. It wasn't that he was just some sort of spiritual hologram projected into the world. He wasn't, it wasn't that the Spirit of God sort of inhabited a physical body, but it was really God was just spirit and not the body. The body was just an animated piece of meat. It's that Jesus was fully body, fully man. Fully God. Fully spirit. All of these things. And so his physical death, his physical birth, his physical death, his physical resurrection are all foundational to the faith. Now, if Gnosticism is true, that matter is evil, then Jesus couldn't have had a physical body because if he was God and God is only good and God is only spiritual, then God could not have a body. God could not have that evil thing. And so Gnosticism was cutting the legs out from under the Christian faith, especially when this was creeping in. There's modern forms of Gnosticism, and if you're interested in that, you can go back in our series and listen to some of the teachings from earlier in the series and see how this is cropping up or showing up in modern contemporary culture. This ancient heresy still shows up. The other part that John addresses throughout his letter is the secret knowledge. And all of this keeps coming back to John's point that Jesus is the very nature of God and the way that he expressed the nature of God is through love. 
And so the repeated theme of John is that not only did Jesus have a body, not only did he die bodily and was resurrected bodily, but God, through his son, has revealed to us his very character, which is love. God is love. And so from 1 John chapter 1 to 1 John chapter 5 and throughout the entire book, John continues to come back to this theme that God reveals himself through Jesus and Jesus reveals the character of God through love. John also talks about this in his gospel where Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, love as I have loved you. And John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. God is love, writes John in 1 John chapter 4. And so he hits this theme at the end of his letter once again, that God is love and that we have his love and we can have confidence in his love. All of these themes are sort of summed up and touched upon once again in these few verses here. What I want to do today is I want to leave us with three questions to wrestle through. Having walked through the book of 1 John, I want to extend to us the chance to wrestle through three, I think, key questions that we can get from this text. The first question is this, what are you asking of God today? What are you asking God for today? In verse 14, of 1 John 5, the Apostle John says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But he goes on further than that. It's not only that God hears us. He says in verse 15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. In other words, if we know that he hears us, we can have the confidence to know that he's also going to do it. Again, this echoes another writing of John in his gospel. In John chapter 15, this is after Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. He's with them in the upper room. This is before his trial and, and ultimately his crucifixion. So these are the final teachings that he's leaving with his disciples, his inner circle. And he says to them, abide in me and I will abide in you. And if I abide, if you abide in me and I abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done. Very similar to what John is saying here in 1 John chapter 5. We have this confidence that he hears us. And if he hears us, then we know that it will be done. If you abide in me, Jesus said, and I abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done. This verse can be a real head scratcher, I think, for, for people. I know, I know for me, it's been a real source of, of challenge throughout my faith journey because it seems like there's a lot of things that I've asked for in Jesus' name that haven't come to be, whether it's prayers for healing for someone or prayers that someone would come to know Jesus or prayers uh, that, that the Lord would keep someone safe, that, that they go through a, a, a time of, of struggle anyways. So what is, he, what is he saying here? I think some of us have grown weary of asking God, maybe to the point that we've stopped asking 
We might ask for little things. We might ask him to bless the food we eat. <laughs> you know, sort of those, those things that we do by habit without really thinking about it all that much. But what is the heart cry within you that you've stopped asking for because it's just too painful to keep on asking and keep on receiving no answer? So my question is, what are you asking God for today? You know, it was 25 years before Abraham and Sarah received Isaac, the fulfillment of God's promise. It's 25 years. Think about what it must have felt like 23 and a half years in, 24 years in. Repeatedly, God has shown up in some form as an angel, as the angel of the Lord, or just through a voice in Abraham's soul or spirit, whether that was audible or just within him. And God has repeatedly shown up in some miraculous, remarkable way in his life and said, I'm going to give you a son to carry on your name. I'm going to make a people of you. 24 years in nothing. (laughs) But it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's like God giving me a promise when I was 10 years old, and it's still not coming to fruition today. What are you asking God for? What have you quit asking God for because you're just so tired? You've lost the ability to ask of it, ask him for that thing anymore. Do you have something like that? When I was 16, I feel like the Lord impressed something upon my heart that was going to be a part of my life. It was confirmed through other people and through prayer. But he put something there that burns within me that I still haven't seen fulfilled. I've gone through half, half of high school, gone through college, gone through over a decade of, of marriage gone through, <laughs> moving various places or around the country, and, and I've yet to see this thing fulfilled. I know I'm young. I still have a lot of life in front of me, but that's over half a lifetime ago, and sometimes it's just too hard for me to even ask him for that thing anymore. But Jesus says, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. Whatever you wish, if we're abiding. Which is essentially what John is saying here in 1 John 5. This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, wouldn't that be the same thing as abiding? If if you're abiding in me, and I'm abiding in you, ask whatever you wish, Jesus said in John 15. 1 John 5, John says, Ask anything according to his will. You know the famous psalm, uh, Psalm 37, where David prays, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. It's sort of easy on a, on a cursory surface level, maybe for us to hear any of these verses, whether John 15 or 1 John 5, uh, 14, 
or Psalm 37, it, it's, it might be easy for us on a cursory level to think this is like sort of like a prosperity gospel thing. Like if you say the right prayers, if you're doing the right things, if you're living in obedience to God, if you're, if you're tithing, if you're giving money to ministries and missions, if you're doing these things, then you can ask God um, and he will give you the promotion and he'll give you the car and he'll give you the marriage and he'll give you the kids and, and so on and so forth. Well, that's not what any of these verses are saying. They're all predicated on delight in God. They're all predicated on abiding in him. They're all predicated on the will of God being birthed within us. What if David wasn't praying, delight yourself in God, and he becomes the genie in the bottle that you can rub and he'll grant you your wishes? What if instead David was saying, when I delight in you, God, you get a hold of my heart and you get a hold of my heart in such a way that you actually change the very things I want so that I no longer want the things that I just want. I actually want the things that you want. Hear these words again that David prays in light of this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. In other words, when we love God, when he's our first love, when he's the treasure, the pearl, the kingdom we sell everything for, when he becomes our deepest abiding love and presence in our life, our hearts and wills are transformed to desire the very things that he wants. And you can trust this, and I can trust this, that the things that the son asks of the father, the father will surely do. Whatever Jesus asks of his Father, the Father will surely accomplish and will surely do. And so when we learn to ask for the same things that Jesus is asking for, when those things become the very things that we long for, we have this confidence that God not only knows what we want, he not only hears what we're asking for, but he will surely do it. So friend, what are you asking God for today? Have you grown so weary that you've stopped asking? Are you 24 years in and haven't seen a fulfillment yet? Do not grow weary. <laughs> have heart, have confidence in him. Which leads to the second question I have for us that I want to leave us with is what or who are you putting your confidence in? Where are you finding confidence? What's giving foundation, foundational strength to your life? What are you building your life on? Where's the confidence to wake up and live this day coming from? I love this word, confidence, such a good word. I want to be a confident person, not myself. I want to be confident in God. When I was, when I was a little kid, I was, I was, uh, kind of fearful. I had a hard time sleeping over at friends' houses. I didn't like doing things that were scary. Movies, TV shows scared me easily. I had bad dreams. I was scared of going into dark rooms. I didn't want to do things like jump off of high places, diving boards, or, you know, into the deep end or whatever. I want to be a person of confidence, 
not myself. I want to be a person of confidence in God. I love this word. And God desires his people to be confident in him. We're not a people who shrink back, but a people who stand firm in him. This word means, in the Greek, it means um, it has to do with freedom. Like Jesus said, I came to set you free. In him we're free and free indeed. Confidence is not only about freedom, but it's about foundational strength. Where are we drawing our power from? The power to live, the power to persevere, the power to run, the power to conquer, the power to overcome. What is your confidence in? John says, this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and he does it. What is your confidence in today? Is it in a political figure? Is it in your bank account? Is it in your education? What is your confidence in? Which leads us to the third and final question. What idols are you keeping yourself from? (laughs) I love this. John ends his whole letter with just this statement. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. I'm going to start signing my emails (laughs) with this statement. Little children, sincerely DJ, P.S. little children, keep yourselves from idols. What idols are you keeping yourself, what idols are you preserving yourself from? There's a good chance that it'll be related to whatever you're putting your confidence in other than God. (laughs) Where are you drawing strength from other than God? That's pretty much gonna be probably a good indication of what you're tempted to idolize. Remember, an idol is a good thing that is made the ultimate thing. An idol is a good thing that's twisted into a broken thing. And every idol promises, this is Andy Crouch's teaching, but every idol promises the same two things that were promised to Adam and Eve. You will become like God and you shall not surely die. So the two promises that every idol promises, whether alcohol or lust or power or abiding anger or revenge or mammon, or hatred. It's a grasping of confidence. It's a finding of confidence in something other than God. So what idol, what idol, identify an idol, what idol are you tempted towards today? Where are you tempted to find your confidence in other than God? And how are you going to keep yourself from that idol? In other words, what is your strategy for avoiding for defeating, for tearing down in the name of Jesus, this idol. For example, for me, there's a couple of strategies. There's, there's, there's things that are built into my life that I have to keep in place <laughs> in order to have a strong foundation. So, real simple, I, I don't function well when I go long stretches of time without getting solid sleep, which is tough because I have four kids under the age of 10. So <laughs> sleep, sleep is treasured in my house w- when it comes. And, it, and it's also hard for me because I'm also the kind of person who wants to live life to the fullest. So I like getting up early and I like staying up late. 
I like reading and watching movies and having conversations and hanging out with friends. And I want to get up early and I want to run and I want to exercise. And I want to have my devotions and I want, to, I want all of this stuff. But sometimes I just have to go to bed and say no to other good things. Because when I don't get enough sleep consistently, I know that I'm going to be tempted towards cynicism. I'm going to be tempted towards uh, being frustrated with people. I'm, I'm going to be lethargic, lazy, <laughs> seek comfort in ways that are not actually what I need. It's a simple strategy. It's just an example of a simple strategy. I also know that when I don't get enough time spent with brothers and sisters where I am appropriately vulnerable, I'm going to be in a bad place. It's really important for me to spend time with people where I'm not functioning as a pastor. Now, I'm always a shepherd. That's, that's who God made me to be, whether I'm on the clock or not. I'm going to be a shepherd. That, that's, that's who I am. And, and yet, it's really important for me to have times and relationships where I'm just vulnerable. I'm just DJ. <laughs> there's, no, there's no role for me to play. It's just, it's important for me to have that space. And if I don't get it consistently, I'm going to struggle with the idols that call out for me. It's really important that I worship deeply and get into this secret place with God and sing and play my guitar. So th those are just simple strategies. There's obviously many more. This is why the spiritual disciplines continue to be one of the main sources of strength for the people of God. The disciplines of scripture and prayer and fasting, silence and solitude, being present in the moment, journaling, spending time with mentors and people who can counsel us. These ancient spiritual practices that the Christians from the very earliest times have practiced and handed down generation after generation to us. They are vital for our health and spiritual strength. And so John ends his letter with this. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. What are the idols that you are keeping yourself from? And what is your strategy for avoiding tearing down and conquering, overcoming these idols in the name and power of Jesus Christ? These are the three questions I want to leave us with. There's obviously been a lot more for us to unpack throughout this letter. But these are the three questions that I felt from a pastoral standpoint that, that we are called uh, to be left with coming out of this uh, time of journeying through the book of 1 John. And these three questions were, what are you asking God for today? Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you shall find. The grammar there is keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking, and you will keep on receiving an answer. You will keep on having the door open to you, and you will keep on finding. It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. Every single day, keep on asking. What are you asking God for today? Secondly, what or who are you putting your confidence in today? Who or what are you tempted to find foundational strength from other than God? And what idols are you keeping yourself from actively? What is your strategy for avoiding these idols? John ends his letter with these words. I'm going to read verse 20 and 21 as we close our time together. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we 
may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And I'm going to close with turning these words into a benediction and a prayer. And so, for you, children of God, you who are listening to this today, know this, that the Son of God has come and has given you understanding so that you may know him who is true. And you are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and the eternal life. So child of God, keep yourself from idols. Lord, we pray that this would truly bear fruit in our lives, that we would abide in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with God.